This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of background. Um, the last four breakout sessions we've had, we've been sharing uh, with you um, Bible and Spirit of Prophecy background on the, um, the work of the medical missionary um, uh, uh, work that we're doing in northern Idaho and eastern Washington. It's just our little corner of the world in our experience, but we could have shared with you a bunch of stuff that we've accomplished and done and that kind of stuff, but it really would have been fluff when it came to really important stuff because what we've done instead is we've given you Jesus. We've given you the Bible, and we've given you a spirit of prophecy, so you really have something now. Um, but we do want to share actual experience as well because those experiences are, are powerful, but we can best say them through others who have participated and so we've got several um, people that are going to come, with, uh, come up this morning and share their experience. Uh, and it's just, like I said, it's our corner of the world. There's lots of other things that are happening in the world uh, that we need to have information from, but we just happen to have this opportunity to share, so we will. If you wish to have copies of our uh, materials, our slides, our presenter notes, um, we're going to reference Tyndale, uh, lots of materials on Tyndale, and some encouraging materials also uh, from uh, various mission opportunities we've had. You can send an email to amedicalministry at gmail.com, and it's got an auto-response on it. It will immediately send you a single page of multiple links that you can take and download which you wish. It's all labeled. You can say, hey, I'd like that one or that one. And, um, and that way you can have access to whatever you wish from the seminars that we've had. So, um, do you have anything else before we... Okay. So, um, Pastor Winkleblon and I would like to introduce you to begin with, uh, with a, a, a very good friend of ours who's become close to us through the years, um, by the name of Sarah Belinsky, Sarah B., and uh, Sarah B., would you step forward, and I'll give you the mic and let you introduce yourself a little bit, and go ahead. Good morning. So I have had the privilege of working with Pastor Wayne and Dr. John um, several years ago. Um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background about my story to see if there may be any out there who have similarities and to show how my story has been woven into this beautiful tapestry that God is doing um, to spread his work in northern Idaho and eastern Washington. So as I was going through my schooling, I really found that I had a passion for people and a love for science and that I wanted to do something in the medical field. And as I grew closer to God, um, he showed me that medicine was the avenue that he wanted me to take for service for him. So as I studied the writings of Ellen White and as I was reading the Bible, um, God started to form in my mind a picture of um, the ministry that he wanted me to do through medicine. Um, and as I was going through schooling, every now and then, you know, I would find people that I would talk with about my dream. They would ask, you know, what I wanted to do when I was finished, and I would say that I wanted to be a medical evangelist. Um, and especially from those who were in the medical profession themselves, whether they be doctors or nurses, physician assistants, whoever they were, most of them had the attitude of, oh, you're a cute kid. But once you actually get out and start practicing, you'll see that in reality it's really not possible. With the way that healthcare is today, you have 10 minutes with your patients, and that's not enough time to even learn their name, let alone tell them about the plan of salvation. But I knew in my heart that God was calling me to medical evangelism, and I knew that somehow, some way, he would show me um, a practical picture of what it would look like. 
And so I continued through my educational journey, um, and it was during college when I was able to have the opportunity to meet um, a pastor when I was working overseas who had worked with Dr. John. And in a very divine and convoluted way, God was able to get me in contact with Dr. John, and things worked out for me to be able to go up um, to stay with the Turquados in Hayden Lake in 2009. Um, as I was hearing through the pastor friend of um, Dr. John that he had worked with earlier, um, this pastor told me that he knew of a doctor who was actually doing medical ministry, and he was doing it in northern Idaho. And Well, I didn't know anybody in northern Idaho. I'd never even really been to that region of the world, and so I just thought it not possible for me to get up there. But God worked things out so that I could go and I could see um, practical examples of how God can use uh, medical evangelists in our world today. So the summer that I came up was 2009, and it was a summer of training in medical evangelism. I worked part-time for the church and then part-time with Dr. John's free clinic that he was running at that time. So I wanted to share a little bit more about the free clinic, what it was, and how practical it can be for uh, medical professionals to reproduce this in their own churches and homes. So the free clinic was an opportunity that Dr. John had to work with a local church um, where they used the church setting to be able to bring patients in who had lifestyle diseases to teach them um, how to reverse those diseases. So sort of like an in-home, um, shall we say, lifestyle center, trying to make it practical for those who weren't able to get away for, say, 10 days, 20 days, um, those who needed to have this lifestyle training while they were still working and in their own neighborhood. So the free clinic, um, how it was set up was that um, Dr. John would hear of patients either that would come through his clinic or that would be referred to him from elsewhere, and then um, he would get them plugged into this clinic that met um, a few times a month in the church setting where Pastor Wayne would be to also help and offer counsel. So patients would come, and then we would have various church members who would take their blood pressure, um, their weight, their measurements. Um, and the idea was to get each lifestyle um, patient connected with a church member to allow for this um, relationship to build where the church member could minister to the patient. And by having that bond, that then there would be a greater chance of them continuing in the program. So the particular church member assigned to each patient would work with them. Um, then after getting their vital signs and measurements, then would spend um, probably about 20 to 30 minutes in doing health lecture topics that they would go through together, um, again, in that close-knit, intimate setting of the church member with the patient instead of a whole crowd, but to be able to allow those um, tight-knit bonds to form. So then after that part of the lifestyle training, then the patient would meet with Dr. John himself to be able to go over the numbers, the medications, um, and then to have that medical counsel on specifically to them how they could apply the principles they've learned in the lecture to their own lives and be able to reverse their diseases. So I was kind of a part of the whole thing of... Um, finding patients, of connecting them with the free clinic, of helping out um, with getting patients registered and then seeing them through this whole process. And it was really life-changing for me um, because I had seen precious few examples of medical evangelism in action. And to be able to not only see it but to participate um, and to get to be a part of this life-changing opportunity was so formative for me in my um, medical career. I ended up um, doing this work with the free clinic in between college and medical school. And it was um, a great way for me to be able to form a picture of what medical evangelism could be that would then carry me through the rigorous years of medical school and residency training. The free clinic... Um, 
was such a blessing not only to me, but it was obviously a blessing to the patients as well. And I wanted to share just a little bit about some of the experiences that I had with individual patients um, to inspire all of us, uh, myself included, that there are so many who are searching for healing and that we have precious truths that we can bring to them. One um, particular lady that I remember very clearly, his name was Deb, and she was a typical American middle-aged female. She was overweight, she was hypertensive, and then when she got connected with Dr. John, um, he found that she had newly diagnosed diabetes, blood sugars, 300s, 400s, totally out of control. This was all overwhelming to her because she hadn't had a lot of medical care in the past. Um, and so she felt very burdened by um, these new diseases that she'd been diagnosed with and kind of a helplessness for what she could do about it. And so Dr. John, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, felt that she would be the perfect patient to be a part of this free clinic. So I met with her um, the first time, told her a little bit about what we were doing, and then um, found that she was interested in being a part of it. So then over the course of the next several weeks, um, the participants in the free clinic, as well as Deb herself, really got to know each other a lot better. Um, that's one of the really great things about the free clinic. It just um, gave us opportunities to really get to know these people. So um, as Deb met with us, she also brought another friend with her. And um, I'll never forget the first time that they came to the free clinic, which, again, the free clinic we held in the church. Um, they were both very nervous about it. And her friend, when she walked in the door, said, whoa, 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 you're not going to try to try to convert me or something, are you? And I said, no, don't worry. We're not here to convert you. We're here to love you. And we're here to help you have health and happiness. And she said, okay. She was still pretty nervous, but she decided to go ahead and come in the doors. And she started to get to know us. And sure enough, she ended up coming week after week. And we got to know her a little bit more. And as we did more training with her, the pounds began to come off, her blood pressure began to come down, and she was slowly but surely reversing her diabetes. So we worked with her and her friend over the course of um, several weeks that then developed into months after I had left. And there was one experience that I had with Deb um, right before I was ready to leave Idaho and go on to medical school. Um, we had had a lot of experiences together in the free clinic, in a special cooking clinic that we had done for them. And as I was saying goodbye to her, she said, I just don't understand why you guys were willing to do this. It took me a little bit off guard um, because the answer was so obvious to me. And so I just said what was obvious to me, that we loved her. and that we wanted her to be able to have health and wellness. And she started to break down and cry um, because she'd never experienced such um, just free, unconditional love that we had for her. And, um, you know, at that point, her heart was open, and I shared with her my story of how I came to Idaho in the first place um, and how God had led me there and how he had led me to the clinic and to her to just show her the powerful divine connection. Um, and she just broke down in tears and was so overcome with gratitude. That was just one story of many of the incredible things that God did through the Hayden Lake Free Clinic. Um, being able to share this health knowledge um, with the people of the world is, as you all know, because you're here, such a great opportunity to share about the love of Jesus Christ. Um, provides such incredible opportunities. And now my time at Hayden Lake has long since passed, and I'm much further in training, and being able to have those experiences to, to carry with me and to give me hope and a vision for the future has been um, so impactful on my medical career. 
So I'm just really excited about um, the things that God has done through our free clinic and really want to encourage you all to consider um, joining with the local pastors and health professionals and church members to prayerfully consider um, starting something in your own home settings um, that can be a light to your communities. Thank you, Dr. Polinski. And uh, appreciate her sharing from her own heart and her own experience. It uh, really means a lot. There's been quite a, quite a number of young people who have come and experienced and uh, been part of our work. Just one other experience about that free clinic that just struck me because I was I was the receptionist in the free clinic because uh, it was in in my church where it was held and so as people came into the front door of the church I was there to greet them and and uh, you know give them the directions and so forth uh, I also set up appointments for their next visit and uh, this one lady came and she came for the first well, we, I think when we first started, uh, they were committed to coming for once a month for about a year. And I think this lady was part of that, once a month for about a year. For After about the first uh, two or three months, well, during the first two or three months, she would come and the church members uh, who were working with her, giving her health education, they were just ready to to throw up their hands and say, don't let this person come back. Because she was rejecting everything that they were trying to teach her. Didn't want anything spiritual. Didn't want anything that, you know, that they were telling her to do. About the third time that she came, she walked in the door and we had a table with literature and some uh, Desire of Ages and so forth on it. And she walked over to the table and picked up a Desire of Ages. And uh, I just told her, I says, it's yours if you want it. And so she tucked it under her arm. And uh, she went in to see Dr. Tequato. And, and he uh, reiterated the, the importance of reading that book. And, and uh, so she left that day. The next month she came back. And the very first words out of her mouth as she came through that door, she, she actually kind of floated through the door. You know what I mean? I mean, her, her face was just aglow. And the first words out of her mouth was, that book cured my depression. And then she went on to explain that she had... Not only read the entire book all the way through in one month, but she had looked up every Bible passage that re referred to it and marked it in her Bible. And, she, you know, here was a lady who didn't want anything to do with any spirituality when she first came, but now she was just eating it up and coming to the Lord. And that's what the clinic was all about. So, um, just a little bit more on that story. This lady, um, she was living with a guy. She wasn't married to him. Uh, she had three children in the home that were not her own. There was a lot of conflict between them, and she hated them, and they hated her. And um, in the process of this time when she was reading through the spirit of prophecy, uh, the kids would come and say, what's going on with you? You're so different. What's, what's, what's happening? And she said, shut up and go back to your room. And, they, and so they go back to the room for a while, and then they, they venture out, and they say, something is happening to you. What's going on? She said, just shut up and sit here by my side and leave me alone. So she's kind of a redneck kind of lady, you know, out in the middle of, you know, northern Idaho. And, and so they sat there for, quietly for a little while and says, what are you reading? I'm reading the Bible. Can't you see? Well, I want to read. Fine. So she takes her Bible, and she puts it on the lap and says, read that. So the kid reads the text. And she says, now, do you know what that means? The kid says, I don't know. 
And she begins to explain out of the spirit of prophecy the meaning of the text. And so now here's a woman who's living a lifestyle that is so far from what would be a spiritual lifestyle, teaching a child the Bible. Her life was changed. Not only did she exercise, which she never would do. Not only did she drink in water, which she never would do. Not only did her blood pressure improve that she would never seem to be able to get into curl. She was no longer depressed. And she today, even today, she continues to rotate around our church. One day, who knows what will happen, but she's volunteered in our, in our community services. She's come to all our programs. She has a strong connection with us. When we do altruistic, anonymous service, she is right there to do this in the community. This woman we have great hopes for. Do you think that she would ever have stepped through the door of an evangelistic meeting? Never. The only way to reach this type of person is through the medical missionary work. So um, I have somebody else I'd like to introduce you to. Uh, some of you might know her. This is Michelle Myers. Michelle, come on forward. And Michelle's going to share with you a little bit about her experiences. And um, I'll give this to you. Here you go. Thank you. That just, it's incredible how coming close to people is able to break down barriers. Friends, we're to come close to people. We're to show them that we love their souls. And, you know, what I want to share is more um, on the church side, um, just as a big picture, two summers ago, we, we decided, you know, what would happen if we got a group of young people together and we, we worked with church members doing medical missionary work? What would that look like? What would happen? Because you, you, you see in the Bible how um, the character of God is, is this enduring love to come close to people, to, to defend the fatherless, to, to show judgment. But what does that look like here in 2000? Well, now it's 2016, but um, back then, 2014. What does it look like to come close to people, and what would happen? And so we got a group of six young people um, there in northern Idaho, and we did health coaching. And so we would go into these people's homes, and we would help them with their physical problems. But we're Christians, and so we let our light shine. So they knew we were Christians. They knew it was okay to pray with us. They knew that we had a connection with Jesus. And so as we came close to these people, they would start asking questions like, so what do you really believe? What do Adventists believe? Do all Adventists eat this way? And... <laughs> or they, someone asked me while we were doing um, an in-home cooking class. She says, so y'all are with the blue zone, right? And I was like, yeah. And so she started to ask more questions, and it transitioned into the spiritual. And it was just so incredible how over and over again we saw that coming close to people opened the door for spiritual conversations. And so this last summer, um, 2015, we had another group come, and we were working again with people from the community. They were mainly um, more of the low-income um, class, and we were doing health coaching. And um, so what did that look like? We went into their homes. We had a Thursday night um, health and Bible study group that they would come to, and these people felt like family. And I hope I'm not taking someone else's but here at the Thursday night um, class, we would just have a health talk. And then, well, before that, we would have a prayer and praise. So we have a time of prayer and praise where people, these non-Adventists, they're just sharing prayer requests. They're sharing praises. They're praising their God. And then we have a health talk. And then we have a Bible study. But since we have been meeting for so long, they feel like family. I mean, these people get together and play games without us. They call each other and make sure that they're okay. And so we're like family, and because of that, they feel comfortable with us. They feel comfortable coming to our church and hearing a health talk. They feel comfortable coming to something that we have at our, at our church because they're family. They're connected to us. And so, for example, um, there was someone that we were health coaching. He got ill, 
and we went to visit him in the hospital. And um, the wife needed a ride back home, and so one of our health coaches took her back home, and she loves to sing. I don't know how she knows so many hymns, but she does. And so they were singing hymns all the way home. It was like 9.30, almost 10. And they were still singing hymns. And um, so then later, this lady texts her and she says, hey, does your church sing hymns like that? And she says, yes, but she didn't push it any further. And she said, well, um, what time does your church start at? And so she told her. And then she said, well, can you come pick me up? I want to come. And as a context, um, this lady and her husband, they've been really wary about Mormons. And um, the husband told us, hey, if you're trying to push your religion down our throats, we don't want anything to do with you. And we told them, hey, we're just coming to visit you. You're sick in the hospital. We're just here to comfort you. And so they're like, okay, okay. So that's a context to this couple. And so now she wants to come to church. And she came to church, and she was just delighted. She was singing her heart out. And um, later on, as we got closer and closer to this couple, the husband said, hey, I want to understand those symbols in Revelation. And he's like, can we we study that book? And um, the girl that was coaching said, of course. So now they're studying the book of Revelation, this couple that wanted nothing to do with religion. Now they're studying the book of Revelation. They're inviting us over for hymn sings. They, they're just, they feel like our church is their family. They felt the lady, she said, I think our whole community should come to your church. You're just so friendly. And so it's just so incredible. There's story after story how people, because of this friendship, because of the love they see, they are drawn they are drawn to come to fellowship with the body of Christ. Now, and M- Michelle, why don't you explain what a health coach is all about? What, what, what they the health, do. What they do. Okay. Yeah, so a health coach, um, in the summer, it was a 10-week a program where we would go into their home or call them. We were in contact with them every day. And they put goals of what they wanted to improve health-wise whether it be lose weight or um, improve exercise, whatever their goals were. And we, we help them to make specific goals and, and measurable and, you know, the SMART goals. And so then we would help them with those goals and work in their homes, so cooking in their homes, um, taking them shopping, because some people don't even know how to shop. So we would take them grocery shopping, help them with their budgets. A lot of these people don't know how to manage their finances. And then they would come every Wednesday to our church, and we had a health talk, and then after the health talk, we had prayer meeting. And so constantly combining the health with the gospel. And they were comfortable coming to our church because they were family. So that's, that's a little recap of, of what a health coach looks like. And then working with the church members, um, we've also had training with them. So what we would do is we would set up a whiteboard, and as a church, we would just brainstorm, how can we come close to the people in our center of influence? So we would, we would just brainstorm, well, this neighbor has a leak in his roof. Let's, let's fix the leak in his roof. This neighbor needs that. This neighbor needs that. Just coming close to people, addressing the needs that they have. We've also trained on literature evangelism. So how to do glowing. Um, what are some other things? We also set a goal for each month as a church. What are, what are we wanting to accomplish this month? Whether it be literature evangelism or whatever it be. Setting a goal as a church. And... And you know, all of this is to no avail without prayer. And that is something that we have found to be powerful. There have been cases that people, they're struggling with impossibilities in life. But as we have come together and prayed, we have seen those things broken down. So as a church, um, we've been meeting every Thursday morning to pray. And in preparation for the health coaches that came, Um, In the summer, in preparation for that program, we would meet once or twice a week and just pray together on a conference call 
for 20 to 30 minutes. And that brought a unity that I have never experienced in other summer programs. And so guys, you know, as we're coming close to people, as we're doing this work, there's nothing, nothing that we can do that can win them. It's only the power of God. And so it's, it's so intricately interwoven with, with God and prayer. So I just wanted to share that. There's also a little testimony I wanted to share, the simplicity of the work. Um, before coming to Idaho and Spokane, I was doing some mission work in Mexico. And I remember there was this village that was next to ours, and there was this family that the church members had gone to visit. They wanted to give them Bible studies. And so they came, and this family kicked them out. They wanted nothing to do with them. They just thought, oh, these are like Jehovah Witness. And so then they kicked them out. But then it was a few days later, we get this knock on the door, and it's this family. They walked the whole way from their village by foot to come to our place because one of the, their family members was sick. And they knew that, oh, the missionaries are here. They will help us. They're here to help us with our health. And so they walked the whole way to come and ask us for help. And so we came, and we were helping them um, with their problem. And in socializing with them, making tortillas and <laughs> doing the different things we were doing to help them, um, they started asking us, so who are you? Are, are you a witch? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not a witch. Oh, are you a psychologist? No, I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> Oh, are you a Jehovah's Witness? And so they just kept going through all these things. I'm like, no, actually, I'm with the Seventh-day Adventist Christians. And this man, he's like, wow, years ago when I used to live here, this man kept inviting me to the Adventist church. And so he was so moved by the fact that we were the ones helping them. And I was like, yeah, well, you are more than welcome to come visit with us again. And that's, that's what the other church members were wanting to do. They were wanting to invite them to church to, you know, draw them closer to God. But they were completely closed because the needs weren't being addressed. When we come close to people and we address their needs, then they see that we care. And then they want to know about that Jesus that moves in our hearts. Thank you, Michelle. You get the idea that what we're trying to do here this morning is, is put flesh onto the idea of self-sacrificing love, what it looks like in, in our context today. And uh, so we wanted to have a number of our friends, those who have worked with us, to come and, and share. And... Uh, by the way, we, we do have uh, some other opportunities for health coaches in the Spokane area, if anybody's interested. And I have job descriptions uh, available. If you'd like to uh, get a copy, just come on up, and I'll share it with you. John? Thank you. Um, so far, we, you've listened to Sarah Belinsky, currently a resident in family practice, and Michelle Meyer, a registered nurse that is uh, working in uh, Hayden, Idaho, and Spokane, Washington. Now, it's going to be for Deborah Beal, and Deborah Beal has a, has a story to share with you, and um, I think you'll enjoy. So, Deborah, come on up. Good morning. I'm Deborah Beal. Like Dr. Torcato said, I'm so glad to see you guys here. I'm an OBGYN resident. It's my first year. I graduated from Loma Linda. My story actually fits into between Sarah's and Michelle's. I actually learned of Dr. Torcato from Sarah, and he came and spoke at Loma Linda, and that's where I met him originally. I went up to do my third year medical school rotation up with him. And there was a couple things that struck me as I worked in the office. I guess the first thing that really struck me was the power of a Christian medical practice where every person in the office, from the um, receptionist to the phlebotomist to the nurse, all love Jesus with all their heart. It really makes a, 
uh, impact on people in a way that I had never seen before. So that when someone's blood pressure is being taken, they are having a spiritual conversation. When their blood is being drawn, they're talking about the love of God. It really makes an impact. So I saw this, and I saw the impact of a pastor and physician team working together, and it really touched me. But at the same time, I saw patients that I would speak to, they would come in, and it just felt like that there wasn't enough time, even though he had longer office visits with people, there wasn't enough time to really provide the support that I felt like many of them really needed to make the changes in their life through the power of God that they needed to make. So with this, with this knowledge and experience combined with um, my reading of Spirit of Prophecy, quotes like in Councils on Health, page 541, again and again it has been presented to me that there should be companies organized and educated most thoroughly to work as nurses, evangelists, ministers, canvassers, gospel students to perfect a character after the divine similitude. Quotes like this, there is more power in visiting families, talking to them of the truth, praying with them, than there is in all the sermons that can be given. This does not mean that you are not to speak from the desk. You are, but you are to take time also for house-to-house labor. So quotes like this really struck me, and I thought, is there not a better way that we can do medical evangelism, a better way that we can do evangelism that would be more effective in winning souls? So I started thinking and praying about this and studying more and came up with an interesting idea. I said, what if we actually try to put this in practice? I don't know exactly what this looks like, but God does. So we got, I gathered a group of my friends. Um, we tried to make it as multidisciplinary as possible. We had a canvasser who was also a nurse, a Bible worker who was also a nurse, a person that had training in EMT and also Bible work, a health coach, and then two medical students, myself and one of my friends. And we went up to work as a team of young people up with Dr. John and Pastor Wayne. The vision was to go to people's homes and take that assistance to the next step from what the patients in the office needed actually out into their homes in the community. We took church members with us, so we always had two people in the homes. And the goal was not to see how many people we could minister to, but to see how much we could invest in one person. The whole point was to invest as much as possible in each individual. And so this actually involved going with a church member if the contact was receptive as often as every day to visit them in their homes. This was free for these people, and the idea was of an intensive um, lifestyle and spiritual ministry out in the community to really impact these people's lives. A couple things that I feel like from my study, from my experience, really made this powerful in a way I'd never seen before was three components of the program. We had it comprehensive in the sense of when often when Bible work or um, evangelistic series is done, the sole purpose, you go to someone's home, you, you're there to study the Bible. If they're not feeling well, then you come back another day when they're feeling well. Well, this idea is, well, if they're not feeling well to study the Bible, why don't you help them get better? And then you can actually build a friendship. It's not just for the sole purpose of the Bible study. Same thing with health. You know, when we do health coaching, it's important to keep it broad. So the way this actually looked was we helped people with health coaching. We helped them with whatever need they had. If they wanted to study the Bible, we studied the Bible with them. If they needed help finding a job, we helped some people find a job. So the whole idea is, is whatever someone's need is, let's help them with that. And not for a sole purpose of we're going to um, befriend you solely for the purpose of baptizing you, um, but because we truly love Jesus and we want to reveal his character to you. So it was very interesting to see how this worked because not, not everyone was used to the idea of someone coming to their homes. Some people actually didn't like that. And they wanted a little bit of space, but they wanted friends. And they wanted to come close to you. So we had that in-home component where we'd go to each people's homes. Um, each team member took on four patients, which 
sounds like a really small number, but if you think about it, you're going to someone's home potentially every day, you're spending an hour or two with each person, it fills up your schedule. So we had the in-home component, then we had a component where we had three meetings at the church, we had a cooking class once a week, we had a health talk once a week that me and the other medical student would speak for, and then we had uh, evangelistic series with actually the concept of um, bridging the health and spiritual con- um, concepts together. So the young people would speak for the uh, evangelistic series, and because we had all these contacts that we knew personally, they would want to come and hear us, which was a nice crossover. So the idea with evangelistic series was to continue once a week long-term. So instead of burning people out doing evangelism, to spread it out over the course of several months. And the idea with this was not just to do comprehensive health evangelism, to do a personal work in the homes and to do a work um, that was long-term, to have a longer-term impact. So a couple experiences that I had out of this, I found that as Michelle was sharing, um, the, many of the same experiences happened to me where people would actually come to us and say, hey, I want to come to the evangelistic series. I want to come to church. I want to study the Bible for you. It's like Paul and Silas where the centurion, I believe, comes to him and says, what must I do to be saved? You know, instead of us trying to drag these decisions out of people, they're actually asking us, which was really, really cool. Um, I also saw some really interesting success. Um, There was a lady, I'll call her um, Christy. And Christy and I met through one of my other contacts. I would go to her home, and we would cook together. And Christy came over to that contact's home, and she gave me permission to share her story. She grew up in a cult, and this cult was over in in a foreign country, had very little um, exposure to Christianity. Um, I remember one of the questions she asked me was if Jesus lived when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. She just, she had no idea about anything. So we'd, we'd actually, um, she came over when we were cooking one time with, with um, one of my other contacts, and she said, hey, you want to go walking together? So the three of us went walking. And that turned into where we'd go walking fairly regularly together. She liked to talk, and we developed a friendship. She wanted help stopping smoking. That was her big burden. And we talked about various things. She had a small son. She had smoked for 20 years. She was not, she was agnostic, really. She didn't know what to think about God. And she was actually fairly close to spiritual things. Um, I remember suggesting various concepts, like when you take something out of your life, you have to put something good in, which she really like resonated with. Um, but then when I would suggest things like, why don't we pray? She's like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Claiming promises to overcome, no, I don't want anything to do with that. So, you know, obviously when I would like offer to pray with her, she was like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. So it was like, Lord, her method for overcoming was I'm going to keep myself busy and I'm done, like, fill my life with other things, and I'm done, grip my teeth, and overcome. And I knew in my heart this wasn't going to work very well. So I kept praying for her, praying for her. Our team was praying for her. By the end of the summer, she, um, she said, you know, I'm praying and overcoming smoking now through prayer. And that was like, whoa. And she said, and you know, I've... I've um, I've been reading about what Adventists believe, and it sounds really interesting, but I also read some things online that sound kind of, eh, and I, I don't know, I don't know. So I'm like, okay, you know, she, she was fairly close still to spiritual things. And I come back in um, February, so this is six months after I had worked with her, go and visit the lady I initially cooked with, and she calls up her other friend who now wasn't living next door. It was difficult to reach. And Christy says, hey, do you both want to come to church, to the Adventist church with me this Sabbath? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so she invites my other contact to come to church with both of us. 
Not only that, but she says that now she's reading the Bible like a couple hours a day. She's really into it. God's working in her life. And it just, her initial closedness to God, to religion, to Christianity, she would never have responded if I initially came out and asked her for Bible study. She would never have responded if I asked her to come to Evangelistic Series with me. But by befriending her, showing her the love of God, giving her tools to find victory over smoking for 20 years, and not only her, but her husband had victory over that and impacted their child's health for the, for the good. Um, she saw the love of God, and it drew her heart to him. And it took time, but God worked in a powerful way. And there was many, many other experiences, patient, um, people that had been um, in churches that preached series of messages against Adventists that asked to come to church, that started asking about Sabbath, that their hearts were being broken down by the friendships that were developed. And it was just a powerful experience to see the power of coming close to people, revealing Christ, meeting their needs in whatever way possible, and, and wanting them to Jesus. And it just reminds me of this quote from Medical Ministry, page 246. It says, In almost every community, there are large numbers who do not attend any religious services. If they are reached by the gospel, it must be carried to their homes. Often the relief of their physical needs is the only avenue by which they can be approached. Their unselfish kindness, their unselfish love manifested in acts of disinterested kindness will make it easier for these suffering ones to believe in the love of God. Thank you, Deborah. Powerful testimony, right? Thank you. I mean, this is putting flesh on what we've been talking about uh, in the last four sessions about loving people with self-sacrificing love. And uh, the only way to make that happen is to have Jesus living out his life within us. It's the life of Jesus. Now, Dr. Quato. We, uh, there's a lot of dots that need to be connected. So, maybe we could just explain just real quickly here that uh, Dr. John lives and, and works primarily out of Hayden, Idaho, which is about an hour drive from the Spokane area where I'm presently pastoring. But... Uh, when I, I was pastoring the Hayden Lake Church, and it was that during that time that uh, invited you to come and join me, and you came. I had nothing to offer, but you came and set up your, your practice there. It was uh, very difficult for you, and I just praise the Lord for your willingness to, to suffer um, to make that happen. But uh, about six years ago, I got a call to move to Spokane and plant uh, a couple of churches there. And so that's where I'm presently at in Spokane, planting a couple of uh, small churches. But I'm planting these churches with the, with the uh, DNA of the, the outreach focus is being medical missionary work. And uh, that's why we're having these health coaches that are coming and helping us, working with us. And Dr. Traquato also comes over from Hayden from time to time and, and works with us. And, and John, tell us a little bit about the Tyndall method and how it's taken a long time with a process to learn how to really do this work uh, the way that God wants us to. Certainly. Uh, before I do, I would like to give you a little bit of backstory on some of the people that have already spoken to you. Um, first of all, with Sarah B. Um, you know, when she came and she was able to be with us for a little while, and then she had to leave, well, I got to be with the patients that were still present. And uh, the two patients that she was talking about, um, after they finished their, um, uh, their time in the free clinic, I asked them, I said, you know what? you have a real story here, and a story that, you know, I'd like my church to hear. Would you be willing to share it with my church? 
Because you know, remember, one of them said when they first walked into the, the church, he said, this is a scary place, and you people are Adventists. I don't want anything to do with you guys. Just, I want your health stuff, but I don't want anything to do with you guys. So I'm inviting her to church so that she can share her story. And they both said, yeah, we'll be happy to. They jumped on it. Well, we sat down in the front row of the, of the um, church during the um, period of time where we're having mission emphasis. And they were sharing something with, uh, about, you know, aviation uh, missions and such. And when they got up front, now there's two ladies that are strangers to my church that, have, that are not Adventists. Their only contact with us is four months of their free clinic time. And uh, they get up front and they said, you know, we just watched an, a mission emphasis about an airplane. And I know you guys don't have a mission plane, but you have a mission clinic and it has changed our lives. And you can't, you can't believe what need there is in this community for you people. And you need to be out there in the community. We didn't even know you existed. You need to be out there in the community doing for us, what, doing for them what you've done for us. You can't just sit there any longer. <laughs> Calling our people. To... <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And see, they loved Sarah B., and here's a young person, barely, you know, just out of college. And being right out of college, having that kind of impact on two lives, who it changed their perspective, not just on Adventism, but on God in general, that he has a people, and they were associating with them. Now, having said that about Serbia, I'll share also with you a little bit about, um, about Debbie. Um, Debbie was going to come up to Hayden. We had had some discussions. Um, I work, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a self-supporting missionary kind of guy. You know, I'm in a small clinic. Um, I pay myself a pastoral salary and have done that for 16 years. And so there's not a lot of finances around. We're quite often on the edge, right on the very edge. Um, and... So we had planned, uh, I told them I would provide for them some travel money, that group of six of them, to come up from Southern California and the various places they had to go to, and I would give them some income during the time they were there. But you know what? My finances fell through. The finances were gone. So very sadly, but dutifully, I get a call to Debbie. I said, um, Debbie, I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to cancel the summer. Why? there's no funds. I, I, I don't have the money I thought I had, and I'm really sorry because, I mean, I can't even pay you guys way up here, let alone, you know, take care of finances for you while you're gone. I, I, I know you got, you know, tuition and books and car payments and phones and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Dr. Quattro, I feel so bad. So let, let's pray about it and see if the Lord comes up with anything. And we'll talk in a week. Is that all right? And I said, yeah, that's great. So um, we called, we talked to each other next week, and, uh, hey, Debbie, anything come up with your hand, on your side, any extra funds? No. How about your side, John? No, no funds on my side either. I said, oh, well, that's really sad. I, I feel really bad. And she says, you know, Dr. Turquato, we've been talking amongst ourselves, these, her six, her five other friends. She says, uh, we've decided we're coming anyway. And I said, well, what do you mean you're coming anyway? I mean, I just told you, I don't have any money to give you. She says, yeah, we're coming anyway. I said, no, I, I don't even have money to pay your gas from Southern California to Idaho. What do you mean you're coming anyway? She says, we understand you don't have any funds, and we don't expect any. We're coming anyway. And it was like, guys, like we talked, we said tuition and rent and car payments and phones and books. I mean, but they were coming. They came up to northern Idaho with no support at all, not even gas. They got up there, and we had 24 patients from my office and 36 patients from the community, and they were assigned to the close connection with those 24 patients in my office. And people that came to the, came to the church initially who hated Adventists when they understood the sacrifice of these kids, fell in love with the kids. They fell in love with the kids. And 
after a cooking class, I remember the, one of the ones that uh, Debbie was talking about, she pulled me aside urgently. She said, I just have to know this. She was very forward, and she says, I just have to know this. I said, well, what's that? She says, I want to know. I got, all right, all right, what do you, what do you want? Why do you love us like you do? <laughs> kind of like, what's behind it, right? <laughs> I said, this is Jesus, girl, and it's real. Really? Yes. And that's the kind of response they got. Well, in the end, before they left, this group of 60 people, 24 from my office, 30-some from the, uh, from the uh, community, uh, they said, these children, they called them children. They're adults, but they called them children because they were all, you know, because they were younger. These young people will not leave Hayden empty-handed. You hear me? I mean, the group as a whole stood up to me and said, you're not going to send them away for nothing. And they said, well, what they did is they went around and they took a free will offering amongst them. Sixty people took a free will offering, and for everyone that wanted to from that group, each student left with $1,800 for the summer. And it never hit the church. It never hit a budget. It didn't have to go through payroll. There was no, no issues related to the... Uh, because it was a direct gift from those who were served to those who served. That is the gratitude. The spirit of inquiry came first, and after that, the gratitude, which built, essentially, the relationships. Now, in the end, we had... We had six students for seven weeks. Six students. And what can you do in seven weeks? They had 24 patients from the office, 36 from the community. Six students in seven weeks. And in the end, the outcome is we have six people who are now keeping the Sabbath or are baptized members of the church because of their direct influence. These are people that did not have contact with Seventh-day Adventists the way they did with us. And it wasn't for anything except the love of these young people in seven weeks. Each one won one. In seven weeks. And it was through the, the sacrifice that they had given that gave them the power to overcome in this way. It was the sacrifice that drove home the relationship, not just with them, but with the God they served. It was real to these people because they knew what they risked. Do I have no? Can I take two minutes? All right. I'm sitting in church. One of those patients comes next to me. And she's not, uh, she's been a, uh, attending church for a while. We just watched a baptism. And as we watched the baptism, she leans over to me and she goes, Dr. Tequato, what? I think I need to be baptized. And I looked at her incredulously. And I said, whatever for? Why? You don't even know the doctrine. And you know what she told me? She said, the way you people have loved me I know it can't be wrong. I know there will be a learning curve, but I will study and I will learn what I must, and then I will become baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist. And today, she's a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist church that sits across the, uh, the aisle from me in Hayden, Idaho. And this woman immediately, after having been baptized, went to work immediately doing the Pathways to Health in Spokane. She wanted to do medical ministry to help other people to know Jesus the way she learned it. She completed the cycle in a very short period of time. People, the time is short. It is really now for us to do the work. I'll let Pastor Cablano finish up. I will say, if you have any questions, there, there's a question and answer session downstairs for speakers. There's a couple slots. If you guys have questions and, uh, uh, that you'd like to ask specifically, I think there's two slots. You're welcome to put your name on that, and we can be happy to be interviewed. Would you pray for us? Also, uh, this amedicalministry at gmail.com, if you're not acquainted with that, Send just a quick email, just say hi, and in response, it'll be an automatic response email sent back to you, 
And in that email, there will be a list of all kinds of, of links of all of our material, all of our lectures, our slides, uh, a lot of material on John Tyndall, uh, and his program is the, what we have been trying to learn how to implement here in, in uh, Spokane, Idaho area. And, uh, and so there's, there's just tons of material. And I understand, what, 20 people so far have already uh, sent emails in. So please take advantage of that. Spread it around because there's a lot of good resource material. I do also have a few other resources up here that if you'd like to look at um, some things that we're using, some things that are good resources that I can share with you. Um, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love to us. We thank you for sending Jesus to this world to love us and help us to love Jesus so much that we're willing to go to the people around us that need that type of love in their lives. Send us, Lord Jesus. We lay our lives before your feet right now. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.